Our patient today is Golden State Warriors DeMarcus Cousins, who on April 15th suffered a quad injury. We're going to go ahead and talk about the mechanism behind that injury, his timeline to return, and whether he'll be back for the playoffs, and what it means for you as a provider and your patients in the clinic. Also, as a heads up, we recorded this just before Game 5 of the Rockets-Warriors series, so we're a little bit late on the KD news. I'm Ben Davis, faculty physician at Swedish First Hill Family Medicine Residency. And I'm Jeremy Johnson. I'm a sports medicine physician from the Polyclinic in Seattle, Washington. And this is The Break. I'm just here so I won't get fined. So we are back from the grave, the zombie version of the break after it was like 15 months off. Just 15 nice months enough. off, just enough <laughs> just to get the, you know, vocal cords warmed up to sing again. Yeah. Jeremy has very sensitive vocal cords, so he had to take <laughs> quite a break uh, since our last juncture. But, uh, you know, we're, we're back at it. All it took was another Warriors injury for us. We started off with Katie and his MCL many moons ago. And um, <laughs> DeMarcus sacrificed his quad so that we could come back to you and uh, present some information. We are grateful for the quad. We are thankful for the quad. All right. So um, a little bit of background for DeMarcus Cousins. Uh, he, well, everybody knows at this point, but weeks ago now, it, it looks like it was at April 15th, um, in game two of the NBA playoffs, uh, against, oh my gosh, now I'm, now I'm going back. Who did they play the first round? Uh, some scrub. Some scrub. Oh man, that's embarrassing. <laughs> what team did they play? Uh, the Clippers. <laughs> I'm sorry to Clippers fans out there. <laughs> I apologize to Clipper fans. Um, I don't. I remembered it and then I promptly forgot. So um, in, in game two uh, of round one of the NBA playoffs, DeMarcus Cousin was going to um, get a loose ball. He went for a fast break steal and he was running and just pulled up with left leg injury. Uh, turned out to be a, a quad injury. And now what is being called a quad tear? We'll, we'll talk a little bit later on if that's uh, the correct nomenclature. But uh, it looked pretty bad when... Uh, he was first injured. There was this one photo. I remember my buddy, Andy Chen. Shout out to Andy. I said I would, I would name drop him. So there it is. He, he te- immediately, I was walking to play. Actually, I was going to play basketball. He immediately texted me this photo and says, how bad is this? And I, he didn't even show DeMarcus Cousin. He just showed me the, the quad. And if you haven't seen it yet, uh, I have the, I'll have the link in the description. I want you to click on that link to look at this injury. And I saw that. And he, I, I immediately said, I was like, he's done. He's, he's not coming back for the playoffs. Definitely does not look right. Does not look right. He's been uh, building up the wrong muscles, if that is correct. So it turns out, like, you know, a couple weeks later, the news lately has been he's, he's really adamant on trying to come back for the playoffs. We'll talk to Jeremy a little bit about that later as well, what his chances of coming back. But uh, Jeremy, walk us through a little bit. They're calling this a quad tear. What, with any kind of injury, especially with MSK, there's gradients to it. There's tears, there's strains, 
there's ruptures. Kind of walk us through kind of the lowest to uh, the lowest grade to the highest grade scenario. That's a great kind of lead into what probably is going on with him. So the quad obviously has four muscles. And really, they're, they're shaped kind of like a diamond, or they're arranged like a diamond, where there's one on top, one beneath, and two on either side. And um, when you're talking about the typical quadriceps rupture, which I think is kind of the injury that people were worried about right away, that happens right where all four of those tendons come together and insert onto the kneecap, or the fancy name for that is a patella. And when we're talking about a rupture, that's basically when that's the most severe case where there's a clear break in the tendon. When that occurs, someone cannot move their leg. They can't extend the knee. And if you'll see after this injury, he actually is able to get up and walk off in this. So we're going to go with a no rupture on this. No rupture. Okay. Um, in terms of the other kind of levels of injuries, you know, typically when people call strains, it means that there's no evidence of a true tear or that they basically, their function is better than what you would typically expect, expect to see in a rupture. And then a tear is kind of like, it can be anywhere from a complete tear, which we talked about initially, or a partial tear where just part of that tendon is... Um, not intact. Okay, so we have, we eliminated rupture. We're talking about strains and tears. Uh, I kind of talked a little bit about the mechanism, which he was simply just running after a loose ball. So what kind of mechanism, is this a typical mechanism we'll see in an injury like this, or is this an unusual case? So if you watch the replay, what you'll see is as he's going down, his knee, the left knee that was injured, is fully flexed. He lands on it, and then his basically his body brings it back, so his knee gets flexed even more while it's loaded. That's really the typical mechanism for any sort of quad injury, particularly from rupture to strain. And given the fact, I think the big turning point in terms of what you would say about his um, severity of injury is the fact that he was able to get up afterwards and walk. Individuals with a complete tear will not be able to walk. This comes back to the anatomy. So when someone has either a partial tear or a strain, the tendon that's most often involved is what's called the rectus femoris. Now, of the quadriceps muscles, that's the one that's right on top and in the middle. And again, if you take a look at that picture that we have up, you'll see that where that kind of what you would describe as a defect in the picture is right on top in the middle of that muscle. And... So to me, from that, you can get the diagnosis right there that it's his rectus femoris that's injured. And the rest of the muscles still look intact. So typically when you have a full rupture, you're actually going to get what we would describe as retraction of the other muscles, and the kneecap's going to get pulled down. And typically in that situation, you don't have a functional knee. You know, clinically, a patient like this comes to your clinic, you see the defect, you hear about the mechanism, you have the injury in mind. What's going to be your order of operations for imaging? So I think an x-ray is always helpful, even in this situation where we worry about a tendon, because just like I just discussed, that you're actually going to see the kneecap be pulled down on an x-ray image. And the the fancy name for that is patella baja or low patella. And um, that is diagnostic whether you need further imaging or not. Um, But the go-to test for this really is an MRI, and that kind of helps you delineate, is this a complete tear versus a partial tear? 
versus just a strain where you may have a little tiny tear and a little bit of blood, collection of blood. It's also going to let you know which muscle is involved. Another modality that you could use is an ultrasound, and the advantages to that is that you can have the, the person uh, extend and flex their knee if they're able to and watch to see if those muscles are being pulled apart or not. Okay, so you order your imaging, you get an MRI, confirms the diagnosis. Um, let's play, a, a, we're talking about return to activity or recovery. Let's play this game here. The NBA, let's say the Warriors make it to the NBA Finals, which is May 30th. He was injured on April 15th. So it's roughly six weeks with this type of injury. Could he get back in six weeks? I'm going to say maybe. But let's back it up. So really, right away when these injuries occur, the first thing you want to do is shut them down. And really, the reason for that is that we want to really minimize the amount of blood that's going to collect in that area. So how you do that is rest. Oftentimes, you put them in an what is called a knee immobilizer, which limits their motion. You're going to try to compress the, the quadricep muscle or tendon area as well, just to keep that blood flow down. And if we're able to do that initially, people can oftentimes get moving faster. So typically that's going to be kind of the first two to three days. After that point, what you want to check to see if they actually have what's called active extension, meaning they can straighten out their leg. If that's the case, um, you can start working on their range of motion, getting that back to normal, and then progressively loading it. There was one study that I saw on this exact same injury that I think he has, which is a rectus femoris strain. That's what we're going with. And it was done in um, Australian football players. And the average time in coming back was 10 to 20 days. Now, there was some problems with that study in that they didn't really discuss the severity. And if the 10 and 20 day turnaround is pretty quick for any injury. And so my assumption is that a lot of those injuries were less severe than what we're seeing here from both his mechanism injury in terms of the force that was involved and the defect that was uh, visual that we could see on the picture there. So my assumption is that if he's able to get back full range of motion and strength, it is a possibility that he could make it back. Now, the rectus femoris, again, that muscle, that part of the quadricep, that's kind of a special muscle there in, in that it's different from the rest of the quadricep muscles. It actually crosses two joints. It crosses both your hip and your knee. And because of that, it's, it, it's more important in the function of the entire leg in terms of how you use it in sports, in that it's going to really stabilize both the hips or the pelvis and the knee uh, in the same motion. And so this sort of injury in particular, if it is a major strain or even a larger tear, um, can take longer. And what they what is kind of mentioned is that it can kind of take three to four times longer. So if we go with the 10 to 20 days, we're probably talking somewhere between 40 days to... Um, you know, up to 80 days. And so I think it's still a big maybe. And I would hedge towards a probably not for him to be at the level of play that you'd want someone in at the finals. What would you be looking out for? Um, let's say if he's potentially rushed back too early, what are the things to look out for? 
Yeah, so he's going to be overloading other parts of his leg, right? So we know that anytime you have an injury to one part of your leg, it puts you at a higher risk for injury for uh, lower down. So we know he's already got Achilles rupture. And I actually don't remember what leg that was on. Same leg. So I would say, you know, that would put him at risk for that because he's going to be compensating. We can get, we could actually have this strain or partial tear actually ex- extend into a more uh, significant tear and re-injure the same one if you go back too early. Um, or kind of even more proximal injuries into the hip um, or back because it's going to change that whole mechanism there. You know, number one job in terms of letting someone get back to play is make sure that they can get back and not get a worse injury. And I think my rule of thumb with these guys, and I think we've talked about this before, is kind of the rule of 20s. You know, if they can sprint 20 meters, jump 20 times, cut 20 times, and they don't feel any sort of problem uh, in terms of pain or lack of function, you could probably try them out and try to see how they go. But I think I think it's a big if. Okay. Last question. Um, you, you already mentioned, I was, I was going to like throw that in at the end and you, you beat me to <laughs> it. The, the, the left Achilles injury or tear that he had before, any chance that this that injury may have predisposed him to this injury. Yep, so there are some s- systemic things that put people at risk for tendon injuries. So that involves things like kidney failure, diabetes, um, and my assumption is that he doesn't have those things because he's otherwise a healthy person. But there are some things like steroid use uh, that can put people at risk for tendon ruptures or intraarticular injections like steroid shots. Um, and if he did have either of those, that can definitely put him at risk. And we're talking catabolic steroids, correct? Correct. And just for everyone listening out there, we're not talking about anabolic steroids. I'm not making any sort of accusation. <laughs> I just want to put that out there. The, ste- the steroids that doctors use. Yes. <laughs> the break is produced by Ben Davis. Thank you to Jeremy for joining me on the podcast today. We'll be back in the near future with an episode regarding sleep. It'll be a snooze fest. Of note, this sounds just like a baby monitor. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to leave that in there. (laughs) Yeah.